That's why we have memorials today is to re-engage, to recapture, to recalibrate, to recenter our thinking daily to Christ. Welcome to Renew with Pastor Jordan Baker, the lead pastor of Grace Brethren Church in Simi Valley, California. Renew is an extension of Pastor Jordan's preaching ministry at Grace Brethren Church in Simi Valley. Renew exists to help people know God by proclaiming the truth and beauty of Scripture. Last time, Pastor Jordan left us with this question, how much of us does God want? And the answer is, He wants all of us. He wants our whole heart. But are there things that compete for your heart and your affections in this life? When we're forgetful of God and His faithfulness, our hearts make other idols for us to worship. And that is why God calls us to remember. As Pastor Jordan picks up today in Joshua chapter 4, ask yourself these questions. What are the idols in your life, those things that tend to take the place of Christ? How do we keep them in the right place? And are you committed to remembering Jesus? What are the times and areas in which you're prone to forget? Listen now as Pastor Jordan answers these questions in part two of Never Forget, a message from the book of Joshua. You worship what you enjoy most, what you think of first, and what you work the hardest for. And if the answer to all those is not God alone, then those are things that are idols in our life. And God does not play second fiddle to those things. And lastly, what's the issue with idolatry is it issues out from our heart. That's why he said in 817, beware lest you say in your heart, my power. It's from our heart that idols are bred. Our heart are idol factories. Our heart is, is what the Bible describes about where our volition and our will and our affections and our emotions come from. And out of our heart, we make idols out of things that are not God. That's the slippery part of idols, right? What may not be idolatrous for you may totally be idolatrous for me. And what does God say about our heart? How much of our heart does God want? He wants it all. He wants you to love him with your whole heart, soul, strength, and might. We can't have multiple lovers. We can't have multiple things that we love. It's either we love God with our whole heart or we love something else. And in all those things, we're prone to idolatry. That's the problem with forgetfulness. Now, what's the fight against forgetfulness? What's our fight against forgetfulness? And this is when we get back into Joshua 4. Joshua 4, again, the narrative is the people walk across on dry ground. Joshua calls them back. 12 men from 12 different tribes take these stones and bring them out of the water and bring them to a city called Gilgal. And Gilgal was right on the outskirts, a little over a mile away from Jericho. Man, we're talking, they are right next to Jericho where they're going to attack next. And he goes, I want you to set up stones in such a way, and I don't know how they did it. Did they bronze them? Did they have a little statue in front or a little placard? You know, this is dedicated to whoever, and somebody gave a lot of money, so their name's on it, you know. And so they set it up, but somehow this was a known place. And there's three reasons, three reasons from Joshua 4 why God had them set this up. Three specific reasons. And the first is this. It helps us or it helps them to remember. 
A memorial is set up to help us remember the living generation. He says this in Joshua 4, 7. Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. It's for the generation that was there and even the generation that saw these things so easily could become forgetful about what God did. Just like in my generation, I still remember where I was. Can you remember where you were on that 9-11 morning? Can you remember? I sure can, but I don't think about it every day. We're all prone to forget. And so God wanted this generation to be without doubt that every time you come and visit and there was an, a, an understanding or an assumption that people would come to Gilgal to remember what God did. They should purpose in their minds and their hearts to come to Gilgal so they wouldn't forget that God did this at the Jordan River, that God was leading them, that God fought for them, that God was in control. The second It's not only for the people to remember, not only for us to remember, but it was an opportunity to train their children to remember. Look what he says. He says it in verses five and six, but look at 21 and 22. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground ground. In other words, this created an opportunity to train children and teach their children, teach the next generation. Why? Because there were some kids that were alive at this time who wouldn't remember this event. They were too young or some children who weren't even born yet to remember this. But built into this idea was that that yearly or often that you would make a trek to the Gilgal Memorial Park And when you went to the park, oh, mom, dad, do we have to go to Gilgal again? Man, it's lame. Can we go somewhere else where there's like cooler stuff? Like, no, come on, kids, we're going camping. Let's go to Gilgal. All right, dad's going to talk about the stones again. Yeah, dad's going to talk about the stones again. And and you go and you you see these stones and, and the kids will ask the question, why the stones? Why the stones? And it gave faithful fathers and faithful mothers an opportunity to tell the story of God. Let me tell you, son, let me tell you, my daughter, what God did here. And in so telling the story, it allowed parents, and I think we're prone to this, instead of just lecturing our kids, sometimes sometimes we have to show them, sometimes we have to remind them, sometimes we have to tell them by their observation what's most important, what's most valuable. It gave parents an opportunity to train their kids. And lastly, look at verses 23 and 24 of Joshua 4. It was a declaration to the world to remember. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you, uh, for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Here it is, verse 24. So that... 
all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. What was the purpose of this memorial? It was to declare to the whole world that God is greater, that God is better, that there is nothing or no one that compares to God, and that would remind the world of this. The purpose of why we have memorials is not just for us, it's to train our kids, but it's also to declare to the world that God is better, that God is greater, that God is to be feared, that God is to be worshiped, that God is to be revered. Now, what's the site? How about for us, okay? And and the solution to this, the application of this isn't necessarily that we go home and take 12 stones and put it in our yard and it becomes a really weird thing on our front lawn so people see it and go, you guys are weird, okay? If we did that, that would be weird. Don't do it, okay? Here it is, the site that helps our forgetfulness. What do we have set up in our lives that helps our forgetfulness? If I had you raise your hand, do you have a problem with forgetfulness? Everyone would raise their hand, except those of you who forget to do that, okay? Uh, And if I asked you, do you ever forget God? Do you ever forget God in the midst of life? Again, you would have to all raise your hand or lie, okay? And I don't wanna cause you to lie, so I'm not gonna have you raise your hand. But we have this problem. So what has God given us? What has God done so we wouldn't forget? And so here it is, the purpose of built-in memorials. I believe we have built-in memorials in our culture to never let us forget God. But the purpose of built-in memorials is to point us consistently and constantly to Christ. That's why we have memorials today is to re-engage, to recapture, to recalibrate, to recenter our thinking daily to Christ. And here's how it works. It works this way, just like it works with my wedding ring, right? I wear this. I'm proud of it, but for different reasons. I'm not a jewelry guy. I don't really like jewelry on me. Now, if you're a jewelry guy, no shame in that game. If you wear necklaces and toe rings and whatever, if you do, you're manly. Don't let anybody tell you you're not. Okay, like you're manly. Real men wear lots of jewelry and it's fine, totally fine. I'm just not that guy, all right? And yet, what does my ring do? Why do I wear a ring? Why do I wear a piece of jewelry? Well, it does three things. Ready? It reminds me every day, every day as I wear this piece of jewelry, as I wear this thing, I am reminded of the covenant that I entered into more than 12 years ago with my beautiful wife, Erin, right? It reminds me every day that as I look at this, as I feel it, as I see it, I'm reminded of this covenant that I chose to enter into a relationship covenanting between person and God that I would choose to love her the rest of my life, right? Choose to love every day and make her more like Christ or help make her more like Christ. That's the reminder. Second, right? My kids are enamored with this thing. It gives me an opportunity to teach my kids about marriage, not because of a ring, but because it gives a constant reminder to my kids that their daddy is married to their mommy and that's a good thing and a comfort to them. And it also declares to the world that this guy's off the market. 
right? In other words, I am now bound to one and one forever and one only. It's a declaration to the world of what this marriage is, right? That's why I wear this. We have built-in memorials, right? And, and is anything in the scripture say you have to wear a wedding ring? No, it's cultural. It's a good cultural thing, but we have these memorials locked in. Let me just give you some of these built-in memorials that I believe we have. Now, also, does having a wedding ring necessarily mean that it's 100% sure that no one's ever going to forget their vows? Does it mean that just wearing a wedding ring mean you're going to be 100% committed to your spouse? Not necessarily, because how many guys do you know that have taken off their wedding ring who don't want to be associated with this, or even they have a wedding ring and don't love their spouses? So it doesn't necessitate that it's going to work. It just means that's why it's there. Here are a few things that I believe we have locked and loaded in our life as memorials to point us back to Christ every day. The first is this, is we have nature We have nature every day to remind us of who's in charge, who's in control, and who created everything. Psalm 19.1 says this, a Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Every day you should be reminded of who God is, of who Christ is, because Christ is the one who made everything, who sustains everything. It was made for him, by him, and through him. And so every day when I walk and I look and observe nature, And Simi Valley has some tremendous sunrises and sunsets. Tremendous. Have you ever looked at the pink and the blue hues and the purple hues when I walk out of this building at night and I observe it? You can't miss God's creativity and his sovereignty. And yet, do we? There are times we just forget that God is in control. But every day, that's a reminder. Second, we have God's word We talk about God's word all the time, but why do you dig into God's word? Why is it important that daily you go to God's word? Because if I'm in God's word daily, I have an opportunity to remember who I am. That I'm not replacing God, that I'm not greater than God, that I don't know more than God. And scripture calls me back every day to remind me that God is sovereign, that Christ is Lord. And John 5, uh, verse uh, 39 says, all of Scripture, all of Scripture displays Christ. Old Testament, New Testament, it all points and leads to Christ. Third, what about this? The cross. Why do we put a symbol like this in our church? Why do we put symbols in our life? Why do you have a picture of a cross on the front of your Bible? Why do you have a picture of your cross somewhere in your home? What is it about the cross? And by the way, I'm so glad it's a cross and not a ladder. Wouldn't a ladder point to something different? A ladder says, I got to climb up to God. A cross displays what Christ did for us that I don't have to earn it. I don't have to to try to prove it every day, that I'm not trying to prove my worth and my value to Christ every day. I'm not trying to earn his love. I am eternally loved. I'm eternally accepted. I've been made his child, not because of anything I did. I made his child because of something he did. It's why we remember the cross. The cross is where we remember not only are we forgiven, but we're reconciled that there's peace now between us and God because of what Jesus Christ did. That's why we have memorials and reminders and signals 
to remind us of those things. And yet, how many times have we walked in this room and we don't even, I mean, could we have made it bigger? Maybe, not sure weight code kind of things would, would allow us a bigger cross, right? But, but sometimes we have these things and we still forget them. Fourth, corporate gatherings. Why do we get together every week? Not only because the Bible says we should get together every week, not only that it's good for our obedience and that we want to be here, but here it is. Every week we get together and we are reminded and we are re-centered and refocused on Christ. That's why you're here. And we need to do it together. We need to be reminded that we're not alone, that every week I need to be re-upped. I need to have the vision recast that my life should be pointed and Christ should be first. And without you, without gathering this way as a habit, as something we do regularly, I easily can drift into forgetting Christ. That's why we need this corporate gathering. It's not because we're earning points with God. It's not because he looks at us any better if we're here or not. It means we know our propensity to forget. And the last two, baptism and communion, right? Aren't those two great symbols that we have? Baptism, what is baptism? It's public, it's a public display. By the way, that's why we have it. We have it so everyone can see it. You share your testimony because you are publicly displaying your identification with Christ. When we do baptism, by the way, if you have not been baptized by immersion and you haven't been baptized as a believer, we need to talk. You need to be baptized out of obedience to God, but at the encouragement of the body and the declaration of the world. Why do we do baptism? We do baptism for the same reason, so that we will remember when somebody's baptized, I remember my own testimony. I'm encouraged in my own testimony. It's an opportunity to teach my kids and it also displays and declares to the world that Jesus is better, that Jesus is greater, that God is more powerful and greater and more sovereign than anybody else. And lastly, communion. Why do we do communion every month? Why do we do communion at the end of every month? Why do we do it so regularly? Why do we run the risk of having that become just formal and duty-filled? Why? Because communion at the heart is remembering Jesus. And think about this. Communion allows us to remember Christ, right? We're encouraged. Why do we have your kids stay in for communion? Why do my little ones stay in communion? Is it to make everyone feel awkward and ask questions, when should my kids take communion? Uh, their kids take communion, maybe my kids should. When is that? There's those tension, but I have my kids in here during communion so that when we go home, they say, mom and dad, what did we just do? What was that? What did we just do there? And if we answer the question, be quiet, just something we do at church, you know, just something we do, you will crush them. Here's what it is. It's an opportunity to say, let's talk about this because what we do is we're remembering Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. And 1 Corinthians 11 says it's also a proclamation to the world. Yes, it's strange. Yes, it seems weird. Just like piling up 12 stones at Gilgal seems strange. It's to declare to the world that God is greater and Jesus is better. Now, real quickly, before we close, I wanna say there's some downsides there's some downsides to built-in memorials because sometimes in a weird way, memorials can replace Jesus. Sometimes they can replace Jesus and that happens two ways. 
Memorials can easily turn into a means of righteousness, <laughs> right? Here's how it happens. It's like, uh, how do I know how I'm doing with Christ? Well, I've gone to church. I took communion. I was baptized. I read my Bible, right? And we're, and we're pointing to those things as the means by which we're righteous. Are you righteous? Yes, I read my Bible. Yes, I went to church. What do you want from me? Memorials are not the means of righteousness. They remind us of our means of righteousness. The only way you're righteous is because Jesus Christ is righteous and he took your place on the cross and gave you his righteousness. All of those memorials should remind us of that, that yes, in and of ourselves we're unworthy, but Christ makes us worthy. And because of that, he is greater and he's better and he's to be worshiped and made much of. And I serve him not to earn anything from him, but I serve him because he has transformed and changed me and freed me to do that. Do not let memorials become a means of righteousness. And the last thing is that memorials can easily turn idolatrous. Memorials can actually become the thing that we idolize how we do services, how we do communion, how we do baptisms, how we read the Bible, all those things, or symbols. Has there been any religion that's turned symbols into idols? That the symbol themselves have replaced the object that it was supposed to memorialize. We can't let objects, we can't let the things, we can't let memorials become idolatrous. So we start worshiping those instead of reminding ourselves of what they're pointing to. Here's a few questions as we close. One is this, what are the idols in your life? Are you able to quickly identify idols in your life? What are the idols in your life? What are the things that easily replace Christ? What are the things that if somebody observed you in your life, they would say, I think you think this thing is better than Jesus. Have you identified the idols in your life? And, and once you've identified those things, what are you doing to remember God in the midst of those so you can repent of that idolatry. And the second is this, in the built-in memorials you have in your life, are they being used every day, every week in the normal rhythm of life to point you back to Christ? Or have things just become monotonous and duty-filled and you're going through the motions and it's no longer about God in Christ, it's just about following this traditional thing. See, the memorials aren't gonna change they're not the issue. Our heart and our mind is the issue. Is Jesus better? <laughs> is God greater? Do you want that to reflect everything in your life? We need to work to never forget so we'll always remember that God is greater. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Uh, first, I just thank you for the strength and the clarity of breathing that you allowed that, to get through this. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that your word is powerful and it never comes back void. Thank you that you're the giver of good gifts. And we know in our hearts that we can easily turn good gifts into things that we worship more than you. Lord, I pray that we would identify idols in our lives, that we would refocus and recalibrate our lives daily and weekly and monthly back to you back to seeing and savoring Christ because you're better and you're greater. I pray that that's what our kids would see, 
that they just wouldn't hear it from our lips, but they would see it in our lives. Thank you that we have things like the cross and your word and corporate gatherings and communion to remember. And I pray that we would never forget, that we would never forget, but always remember. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Renew with Pastor Jordan Baker, an extension of the ministry of Grace Brethren Church in Simi Valley, California. Today was part two of a message entitled Never Forget from our Renew series on the book of Joshua. If listening to this series has prompted any questions, we'd love for you to contact us at Renew on our website at gracebrethren.com slash renew ministry. You can also find Renew on Facebook or follow on Twitter at twitter.com slash renew underscore ministry. Renew Radio is an extension of the ministry of Grace Brethren Church in Simi Valley, California. GBS exists to bring glory to God in all things, to be satisfied in Him, and to make Him known to all people. Our goal is to make disciples through teaching and living out God's Word, worshiping Him, and loving each other in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll meet you here next week for more in this Renew series, Joshua, A Call to Commit. <music>